Hello. Hello. I'm Alex. I'm Val. We're here to talk about The Sopranos, as per usual. Mm-hmm. University. Written by a huge team of people. <laughs> a lot of people. Well, actually, the teleplay is only by Terrence Winter and Salvatore Stabile. But the story is basically everyone who's survived the uh, writer's room of The Sopranos. Yeah, in a series of weird ampersands. Yeah, David Chase, ampersand. Terrence Winter, ampersand. Todd Kessler, and Robin Green, ampersand. ampersand. Mitchell Burgess. <laughs> I mean, a lot. basically all the writers who have lasted to season three, who are like major contributors to the show, seem to be involved in the story. So that is like an interesting first thing to take away. You're watching the credits and it's presented in a different way yeah typically we just see who the writer is now we're getting who wrote the teleplay and the story seems to have been a collaboration between all these major players who are writing this show it's it really stood out i was like there's a different font like what's going on here yeah also i mean again like we don't see david chase's name showing up that often in terms of writer or director typically it's a rather prominent episode and in this one and you know we're seeing it again even if it is just as part of the story but in general we're kind of seeing a collaboration of like the most important voices for this show well shouldn't david chase be credited every week with the story then well he's credited with with different things yeah in in the credits that we're seeing (laughs) yeah right i mean i think i just don't know why the concept the concept of the show is his yeah this story, I think, must have been a collaboration between wow. between all these players. And then the teleplay was actually written by Terrence Winter and Salvatore Stabile. Stabile. Do we ever see Sal- also Salvatore Stabile coming out of nowhere on this major, <laughs> major episode. Yeah. But, you know, it does seem, even in terms of, like, who's involved, an important episode, as it obviously is. Right. You know, Alan Coulter, too, who's, yeah. like, a major player now as a director. Yeah. Is directing. We can tell that there's some importance to this, that it... It holds a special place in the series. Yeah. I, I don't know. I think. Yeah, I, I think so, too. I think, like, the fact that it's another one of these kind of standalone episodes is important because yeah. we often get really big messages through those episodes, often ones that David Chaser is also involved in. Yeah. Um, But I think there's that. I think we often see, I don't know, it's like this, like, heightened level of camera work or something, if that makes any sense. There's like, some interesting choices. There's some, like, there's less some, yeah. realistic cut, like, not that cuts are realistic, but there's, like, more cinematic cuts mm. and stuff like that than there usually is, or when they're used, they're used quite sparingly. Uh, yeah, I thought there were some interesting decisions mm-hmm. in this one. Um, yeah, there was definitely a lot of movement with the camera, both, I mean, sometimes, like, towards people, like, on Meadow's face, um, I think I don't know. She's in her room, but also, yeah. but the, you know, there's other there's things like movement of the camera, like you know, from like looking down to kind of coming to Tony's level after he comes out and sees Tracy. Yeah, there's you know, like the edits, like you said. Mm-hmm. There's definitely, I think, a lot of intentional editing in this episode. That's kind Sometimes of proving like a point. Really over your head, but it's happening not over yeah. your head. What's that looking for? Like <laughs> hitting you in the face, hitting, hitting you over the head. Yeah, both yeah. of those. With a hammer? <laughs> like a mixed metaphor there. Right. We like those. Yeah. But they like those in these in this in this show. But you know, yeah, also like I think the edits, some are quite clear, I think, in terms of connecting two characters, but it seems to be happening with such regularity throughout this episode. I think that the editing is a really kind of a window into some relationships that they want to bring our attention yeah. to. Yeah. 
And there definitely are relationships. We have basically these like three young girls who are all yeah. the same age. I mean, is Meadow maybe 19 and not 20? Sure. You know, but they're all roughly the same age. Yeah. And we have them experiencing these vastly different kind of like life experiences. Yeah. Um, in an overlapping and way. also experiencing things that come up within their lives in different ways based on their privilege mm -hmm. and where they are in life. Mm -hmm. No, absolutely. And I think like a lot to do, I mean, less so maybe with Caitlin, although she's all like, she's the lesser of these three women who are featured in the episode, I guess, but a lot to do with like their, their be like their womanliness, if you want to call it that, like, or even like their sexuality in mm -hmm. a lot of ways. Um, is kind of tied in with the, these experiences that they're having. So mm -hmm. it's like it's uh, even though it's you know there's like storyline going on, the core of all the stories is like about women's experiences. Yeah. In this episode, so. Yeah. yeah, I mean, for me, a really big theme that was coming up in this episode was like kind of this difference between men and women, and mm. what does it mean to be a man, and what mm -hmm. does it mean to be a woman. And within the world that's been created in The Sopranos, how how do they interact? What does it mean? What are the values? Yep. And what makes a man and what makes a woman? We even have characters asking people that right out right, right? Like we have Tracy asking Ralphie, like, do you feel like a man now? Yeah, right? I mean, after he or hits what her. what man? Yeah. Right. Well, what's interesting about that scene actually, too, is like she says to Ralphie, you know, after he hits her, do you feel like a man? Then that goes into later, like Tony's hitting Ralphie yeah. as a means of responding. Yeah. It's like the only thing that these people are armed with is violence, these men. Yeah. Um, yeah, you know, even, yeah, right after, you know, when he was saying too, like, he was way out of line, or sorry, Polly was saying he was way out of line for doing this, and then Tony says, she was, you know, 20 years old, and he says that too. Yeah. Like, the the immediate reaction from Polly is not the human reaction of, like, this woman, this young woman was just killed. There was just a murder. It's about, yeah. it's actually, it's about Ralphie. It's, it's, about, it's about respect. Him, it's, it's about respect about, and him yeah. being out of line, like, and I think that that's what this episode brings home, is, like, how male dominated this world is and how their focus is exclusively within the you on know like the masculine butts, from the macula, masculine perspective there was so much butt stuff so much focus on butts <laughs> i thought we had there is a lot of butt stuff well no there was episode. but i think that that's that's part of it you know yeah. that this oh, like totally. yeah i mean this like hyper objectification of women yeah and i think that even yeah like the very first scene. The, well, yeah, the let's talk about yeah. let's talk about Tracy then. Let's talk yeah. about Tracy's storyline. Yeah. Yes, the very first scene. Well, so the very first scene is like even the way that they construct the Bing, the, the like the frame, the yeah. the composition of it. Like, for me, there's a separation between the woman and the men. It's all men on the outside mm -hmm. looking in, and it's all women inside, mm -hmm. and it's almost like a, it. It's like a ring, and what we see on the TVs is is boxing. Yeah. And at the end, we see bowling. Like these two kind <laughs> of like masculine sports Bo I, I didn't know bowling Bo was such a in a different way sport. well maybe <laughs> i don't know who watches bowling so but maybe it's not it's not associated with machismo but i think it i don't know in general i think of it as like probably a male dominated field bowling <laughs> you know what i'm out of my depth in bowling world but... i mean i like that you're putting yourself out there with it, this but with bowling if any um, of you guys are no, bowling I think, the, but I think the boxing reference i, I can't quite I think make it's it with the it's related one, but well I think no no it's... because i think it's like it's like it's what these men are watching and it's like separate from this feminine world and they're like they are separated from each other yeah. and 
within Soprano World and at the Bing, like, the women are on display. Mm -hmm. Like, the men are all watching them, objectifying them. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, like, the focus on asses. Like, there's there, there was quite a bit. Like, Tracy walking away in one of the very first scenes, like... There's actually like a focus on her butt as well, she walks and then away. That's replicated later when she's wearing that really weird outfit. That really weird red one. When she's watching Spartacus with with Ralphie, yeah. and then he slaps her ass when she's in the way. Yeah. It's like he's bothering. Sorry, she is bothering his experience. Yes. Actually, it kind of reminded with me of like butt. Junior, weirdly like Junior with um, Bobby Bacala in the previous episode, where Bobby's yeah. like blocking the TV. Yeah. She's blocking the TV, but like these people, that's what they want. Like they're it's their perspective yeah, yeah, and then yeah. they're like kind of pushing somebody out of the yeah. way but again yeah like the focus on her butt it is like this objectification yeah. like they're not worried about her as a human and in that first no, scene and she's talking about real human issues right yeah. like she's talking about things that are real that's what i have here like um she does this kind of like nice thing that clearly there's like there's an event that happened before this right which is she got some advice from tony somehow about her son Right. Right. We don't see that yeah. scene. Right. But we know that it occurred and we know that she's thanking him for something. And she's doing it in this pretty genuine way. It's you know? so humanizing. And that's yeah. actually the thing, like that first window that we get into her is like it's it's well, I don't know, it's very empathetic. Well for, still yeah. even calls her like Betty Crocker, kind of teasingly, yeah. which you know that But makes... it's not I mean, but it's like it's sweet and humanizing. Yeah. Like and she did think she just wanted to thank Tony and so did something yeah. genuine, yeah. you know, for that. But then when she turns away like they're that, just looking at her butt. They're just looking at her butt. Yeah. You know, and so that human aspect is lost on them. Yeah. And even like it's so funny because she's wearing like she's not dressed yet for work, right? Yeah. So she's like, and yet even wearing still, this, you know, jeans and a t-shirt or yeah. whatever, and they still can't see her for anything but this kind of like piece of meat, right? Yeah. Um, there was you know. another, yeah. It also when she gets her braces and she comes over and she's smiling at Tony yeah. and she's like half naked, yeah. And so you know, kind of the opposite of that, like she's completely objectified yeah. and just kind of showing off her body, but she's trying to bring the attention to her mouth and something yeah. that she's proud of, like taking care of her health. Yeah. Tony doesn't even know what to look at. He asks, like, <laughs> oh, what? He's like, what are we looking at here? <laughs> right. But like, there's no interest in her well-being no. or her health. No. And the braces, you know, are an example of that, of like her actually looking after herself and like doing something. Unlike Meadow, who's skipping her dentist appointment. Well, there's a connection. And I think that like the focus on, on the dentist is actually really relevant mm -hmm. because there's, you know, Carmel has to remind her to make an appointment later on you know she's like oh I forgot and she's pissed off she says is there any food in this house and I think that that actually gets to the heart of the difference of their situation mm -hmm. because Meadow has so much privilege that Tracy doesn't mm -hmm. and the result is very different well I think in both situations and like I feel like we could talk more about Meadow after maybe but I think the braces really end some of the situations with Meadow really highlight how like awkward of an age being 19 or 20 yeah. is for women like you know apart from kind of the sexualization part um that they are still like very young and very inexperienced in adult worlds i yeah. mean have they've had different experiences growing up like we get these little you know get this past conversation that tony and tracy have had yeah he somehow knows about her burning her kid right. with cigarettes and yeah. stuff like that. So, like, there's obviously a lot, you know, they're, they're experiencing really different things. Yeah. But there is this, like, awkward girliness, right? Like, we mm -hmm. see it when, like, Meadow's talking about the Eloise movie or, like, cur curling up in bed with her mom. Yeah. 
we see it with Tracy with these braces, which uh, like make yeah. her look even younger than she already yeah. is, right? Um, yeah, this like girlishness or like reducing women to be girls or mm. making like making them feel small or like girls. right. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. I don't. Yeah. I don't know. There, I mean, there's so much there, right? Like, we could talk about too. Um, oh, I mean, any number of things. I don't know how the best way to do this is, but um, the trait. I mean, the, let's maybe we'll stick to the Tracy mm-hmm. bit. Um, there is this emphasis, like on. I don't know. They picked like a perfect actor for this role or something like that. Like she's just like the perfect mix of. Like, has a very young-looking face, but then has this, like, you know, stripper body. Right. Um, yeah, I don't know. There's there's a lot going on there. Yeah. And then, of course, like, the scene, um, I don't know, it's like the foolishness. I don't know, there's something about, like, being a 20-year-old girl or something like that. I don't know. Not that all 20-year-old girls are... <laughs> you know foolish but you know the fact that when ralphie's saying this uh, when they're outside and ralphie's like we'll get a little cottage yeah and you know we'll i'll take care of you when you're nine months pregnant yeah um and she's like really yeah you know and he's like yeah and then he turns on her yeah like she still i don't know she's still hopeful in the world even though she's experienced some really rough stuff obviously whereas meadow um, like it's funny, like Meadow gets called cynical, but Meadow is like the least cynical right. person. And, and it's, you yeah, know. that's an interesting scene because I mean I was reflecting on that, and I can't really think of an example of her being negative or cynical in this episode. So it yeah. kind of seems like bullshit from Noah. Oh well, we'll talk. We'll get there. Don't we'll worry. Talk I know your feelings Noah on Tannenbaum. Noah Tannenbaum. That's interesting though what you were talking about too with that scene between Tracy and Ralphie, because even in that like. When he's talking, he, he talks about, like, if it's a boy, we'll name it after me, and if it's a girl, after you. And then yeah. it turns into this, like, again, sexualized, kind of fucked up perspective of, like, who she would become as a woman. Yeah. And I think that, again, that's, like, representing where these men are coming from in this family. Yeah. And the way that they see women and the way that they see men. And yeah. the fact that, like, they could only – he would even only think about, like, respect – if it was a boy and yeah. if it's a woman then it's well it's like her yeah so it's a window into the depravity and you know and the sexism of a character like ralphie totally well in the scene with tracy and silvio also we get this insight into yeah some of that cruelty and like it's that, definitely those scenes are really hard to deal with because we like sil yeah. You know, well, it's like, you know, it's the same struggle we go through with Tony and we go through with with Tony in this episode, too. But with Syl, that's the first time we've seen him treat a woman like that. We, we don't we don't see that part of him. Yeah, really. Um, but he really basically says to her, like, I own you. Um, yeah. Being owns you. And he also says, do you know how many girls would kill for this opportunity? Yeah. Which is. Which was interesting to me, too, to think about that, like, as an opportunity and for them to rationalize thinking that they're giving an opportunity. Well, and Georgie talks about it, too. Georgie's like, you're going to make at least half a grand. Right. Well, and because the the way that they structure this episode, too, of, of contrasting Tracy and Meadow and Caitlin, mm-hmm. I mean, she doesn't have opportunity. They have opportunity. Yeah. She's completely trapped. Yeah. And in fact, if anything, she has no opportunity because these people, these men are seeing her kind of as like a subhuman. Yeah. I mean, even right after that, do you know how many girls would kill for this opportunity? Basically, like, until you pay me, you belong to me. Yeah. And then also turning to violence. And then Ralphie is laughing. 
at that. Yeah. So it seems like all these men, like that is their their power, and that's what it turns to. It turns to violence. Yeah. And Ralphie thinks it's funny. Yeah. Where obviously, you know, it's it's harmful, and they're they're hurting hurting yeah. somebody. Someone who he like at least in some way. I don't even want to say that he cares about her because I get he doesn't. But in some way, she's at least like useful to him. Yeah, I don't know he, if he does. He, I yeah, he. I mean, he keeps her at his house for two days. I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> that's the most I can say about. I don't. That. Well, oh, you mean Ralphie? Yeah. I don't know if Ralphie cares about her at all. I think he's just completely using her. Yeah. You know, I think that this episode. There's one line that actually got me thinking a little bit. Caitlin actually has a bit of a throwaway line, but when she's talking about the movie, I think Freaks, but maybe it was later. But she's saying, why is it that other people's pain is a source of amusement? Yeah. And that had me just kind of reflecting on what we see in this episode and this series on the whole, because I think the average viewer is drawn to a lot of television for its violence. Mm, mm. And I think that this show challenges that. Mm. And it's interesting because as violent as this show gets and the last this episode and the two episodes before are extremely violent i think they are raising the ante totally and i think that they're really confronting especially with violence against women i guess yeah (laughs) it's not violent it's not mob violence well there was another toothpick no i know yeah no i know but i'm saying like this and employee of the month definitely yeah and i yeah and um i mean employee of the month was like outside of the mob but i i think there's an aspect of you know, you are watching this, you're attached to these characters, you love these characters mm-hmm. even maybe, but like how and why? Mm-hmm. What does that say about us? Mm-hmm. Because they're really, they're raising the stakes and the impact of their lifestyle and their beliefs and their actions is really starting to become painfully obvious. Yeah, well, and it's like, it's like you can, you can equate it to a strip club um, or at least this strip club where women aren't as empowered as sex workers can be but in this like it is kind of like their pain for the amusement of others as well right like um there's ethical strip clubs out there i know but in this case this is not one of them i don't feel like these women are empowered in their in their choices necessarily no um at least tracy yeah um but it's the same thing right it's like you're watching that and you have to know like you see you know, that even Georgie, who, again, is kind of like one of these characters who we think is relatively harmless, right? He's making all these girls pay him 50 bucks and give him a BJ later right. on. And, like, and using them also, right? Yeah. Like, everybody's using them. Yeah. In terms of, like, the power dynamic, these women are really at the bottom of this, you know, yeah. pyramid or whatever, or this yeah. hierarchy. And uh, it's being manipulated by these characters for their own ends. Yeah. Yeah, that's. A, I mean, this scene with Tracy is like probably one of the hardest scenes to watch in this series. I would say. I like would say so. Um, if not, maybe even five. the hardest. Yeah. I think. Yeah. Yeah. I I I feel like it it might be. Um. Yeah, yeah and, and their I, scenes with Tony are really interesting. Like, well, he's so, such a lesser character in this episode, which yeah. is fascinating. Maybe even more so than any other episode to this yeah. point that I can think of. Yeah. And in fact, the only aspects of his character that are developed are rather humanizing. Mm-hmm. Like, he is genuinely affected by what happens mm-hmm. to Tracy. And in fact, it's almost like a counterpoint to everybody else. So <laughs> as much as they may be challenging us to say, like, how can you love this world and these people and mm-hmm. the mob... 
they also kind of complicate the character of Tony Soprano because he has empathy. Yeah. And in fact, the way that he responds against Ralphian in therapy, where we kind of have a window into how it's affecting him, it is because he is torn up not because of what Polly said, like he stepped out of line, but because he actually cared about her, even though he tried to keep his distance. Right. Even though he tried to keep his distance from her. Um, yeah. I feel, yeah. I feel like there was a lot of intentional edits mm-hmm. that linked those women together okay. that I kind of wanted to talk about. Yeah, sure. Um, yeah, so, I mean, definitely there's a scene with, uh, you know, with Richie and um, actually when he hits Georgie. Well, first of all, in that scene, he talks. In that crazy scene that with crazy him. crazy scene, yeah. Yeah. I mean, this this episode also really introduces Richie as. Ralphie. Ra- Ralphie. Yeah, I know. Richie, no, a, not no. Richie. Yeah, I know. But their names are very similar. <laughs> yes, Ralphie. And they're both bad guys. <laughs> <laughs> bad guys. But yeah, but Ralphie really comes, you know, comes through as like an antagonist and as a crazy, a crazy player. Crazy one, yeah. Yeah, and actually, and every and you get this like you see him how the other people around him see him too. Yeah, which is as really annoying. Which we've already kind of seen, but I mean, again, they're just like really raising the stakes, and yeah. he's a much crazier character than we've ever really seen on this show, yeah. and unpredictable. Um, I thought it was interesting actually in the scene where in that back room of the bang, uh, at the end, actually going back to the like masculinity femininity theme, where. Tracy's talking to him and he talks about like, is this how you, is that how you talk to a man in front Mm -hmm. of his friends? Mm -hmm. Which is again, just kind of like a fucked up concept of like being honest and challenging a man is like somehow not okay from that statement that Mm -hmm. we kind of get a window into his viewpoint that like, is that how you talk to a man? Like that's not something you should do, challenge a man. Sure, yeah. Which is, you know, again, like not giving her value as a human at least on, like you know, like as no, it's not both of them as being, being a yeah. Man. yeah, there's no equality. Yeah, there's no equality there, and also in front of his friends who are men, like in terms of like demeaning him, mm-hmm. that's something that she's not entitled to. What about the part where he says that he should have been an architect, or he was supposed to be an architect? Because it's really similar to this thing that we've heard Tony say before, which is that he might have been a patio furniture salesperson, Mm -hmm. right? And I think it is tied into kind of, in some ways, these women's stories that like there was this different path based on privilege, right? Like that in another life, Ralphie could have been an architect and Tony could have been a patio (laughs) furniture salesperson and Tracy could have been Meadow or Caitlin maybe. at university, yeah, right, or vice versa, they yeah. could have been her, depending on you know this yeah. position of privilege that they're in. Um, so I kind of liked that scene too. Yeah, I th- yeah, definitely. Yeah. I know. I think that's a good reading. Um, let me let me bring up some of these edits actually, because sure. there there was so many. Um, so anyway, in the in the Bing, when Tony's getting um, meets after Ralphie, was, you know, violence. Yeah. Uh, there's an edit from Tracy coming up to him directly to Meadow. Yeah. So, you know, and I think that, like, that was, I think, the first one that I wrote down. But then it just kind of, like, sets off, like, a series of edits where they're constantly editing between, yeah, Meadow, Caitlin, and Tracy. Yeah. There's a lot of moves between those characters. Even sometimes for, like, really short cuts. Definitely. Well, there's actually, like, a series that I wanted to talk about. Sure. So 
when Tracy is with Ralphie and the cop, like yeah. in the back room. Right, and then Caitlin's head comes up. Yeah, I mean, that's probably one of the more overstated edits, yeah. but it, it actually kind of like sets off a chain of, of editing. So her head comes up and then it edits to Caitlin. Caitlin is saying about the homeless woman that she ran into, where right. do you think she sleeps at night? And then there's an edit to Meadow with Carmela in her bed. Right. So now we've actually cycled through the through the three right. characters. Yeah. And we see Caitlin expressing concern about where that woman would sleep at night. Somebody yeah. who's like less privileged, less fortunate. Meadow then going to Carmela, getting in her bed yeah. in this, you know, huge New Jersey mansion fancy room. Then after that scene, it actually edits back to Tracy with her going up to Tony in the parking well, lot. Well, we see Tony coming out, right? Because we kind of wonder, like, where's Tony yeah. in that last scene, right? Like, Meadow's in bed with Carmela. Yeah. Where's Tony? And we see him stumble out of the bang in the early morning. Yeah. And then Tracy comes up to him. Yeah. And she's looking for help with her problems, just like Meadow was. Yeah. So there's, like, a lot of commonalities, actually. They yeah. kind of, like, follow a thread. And yeah. they actually kind of connect all these characters. Tony, you know, his advice basically being, get you know, an get an abortion after being you know, not wanting to deal, to talk yeah. about it. But eventually he says, you know, says that. And it's interesting in that scene too, um, you know, that perspective that you were bringing up about, you know, her with the cigarettes and her kid, how, you know, her social worker was saying it all goes, Tracy saying it all goes yeah. back to her mom holding her hand to the stove. And again, yeah. this is an example of like us getting a window into somebody's psychological yeah. profile, but then like, that's it's it. It's so well done. We don't get that. Yeah. Because this character, we're not examining them like we examine Tony Soprano. Yeah. But every character is deep and nuanced yeah. and has their own, you know, psychological backstory that's yeah. affecting them all the time. Then there's an edit from there to Meadow and AJ, where Meadow, or sorry, where AJ uses up all the pancake syrup. Yeah. And Meadow's, like Meadow's doing laundry. Holding up her glass for her mom to fill Meadow, it for her. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then upset, right? Yeah. That she doesn't pour her her drink. Yeah. And also the fact that like she's coming to bringing her laundry home. I know. To do. Like, I think that they're, and AJ's, you know, using as much pancake syrup as he wants. Yeah. Compared to Tracy, who's dealing with you know, this abortion, looking yeah. after her kid. Yeah. Thinking we're bringing in another kid. They're at the same age. Yeah. It's very similar too to like Meadow in the in the end when she comes back um, after Noah breaks up with her. After Noah breaks up with her and she's saying, you know, like God, is there any food in this house? Like her concerns and her world are, is so different yeah. from Tracy's. Yeah. That even though they are connected by you know like one level of separation, it's a completely different world. Yeah. And but, and it's so different from Caitlin's experience too. Even yeah. Even though they're in like a more similar situation like meadow does not have an understanding a real under nor noah like have a real understanding of what's really going on with caitlin nor do they really yeah. have actual compassion for it. nor it's do they really care just, no they don't really yeah. care yeah. it's just annoying for them yeah um and you know kind of like in a similar way to how tracy is to tony like tony's annoyed that she yeah. keeps bothering him yeah you know um so yeah, no, I think it's like it. It, it really those edits. I I was noticing that too. Those edits really highlight that. Yeah, and, and especially like that sequence. Yeah. I mean, that's that's strong. No, it like comes full circle, kind of. It's really. Yeah. yeah, and those those characters are definitely all linked, kind of in this web. Yeah. Also, actually, there was an interesting scene where Meadow talking about her, you know, having the privilege and the experience of just kind of like getting this food at home, 
um, her opening the fridge, and we actually clearly see some orange juice, which we've talked about in previous episodes, yeah. coming from Godfather representing death, and yeah. actually often representing death in this show too. And the fact that she doesn't choose that, mm. even though she it's clearly in the juice. shot, she chooses Snapple. Oh, right. And Tony's also drinking <laughs> As does Tony, Snapple. which is a very sugary drink going to the dentist mm. theme. But anyway, I digress. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if they were thinking that deeply about Snapple. It's important. I think, though, that they are thinking about her, like, narrow, like, missing death. And yeah, that her privilege. No, absolutely. Yeah, allowing her to avoid something yeah. like that. Whereas having choices. Tracy's position, yeah, having the choice mm-hmm. to, to choose something. I mean, it's subtle. I don't know. I mean, it's it's there. But I, the, I was saying I wasn't sure about the dentist yeah, thing. But. but no, no. But the way that they <laughs> they use symbols and particularly oranges in this show, yeah. I, I actually think that that. Yeah, that yeah. No, something. I think that's a great reading of it as well. Yeah. Um, is there anything else you want to talk about with Meadow? Maybe like, since we've been kind of going back and forth, there's some really interesting stuff with her. Yeah. Um, the one the one scene that I was thinking about because you mentioned we mentioned at the beginning about there's some scenes where there's like some different camera work going on. Yeah. There's one scene where she comes back to her room. And there's actually like dogma style where it's actually like handheld. Yeah. <laughs> and we just don't really see that. And it's, you know, like, or sometimes we see it and it's like to indicate a character's point of view, but it's not really like a character's point of view in this sequence or maybe, no, cause it's kind of like following meta. Like it's like, yeah. it's like. It's unstable. It's unstable and it's following her around the room, Mm -hmm. kind of. So that was interesting. Well, I think that she is getting upset with Caitlin. Mm -hmm. And she's, uh, you know, I don't know. She is kind of starting to crack. I mean, it's not taking that much to crack her. Mm -hmm. Because these are essentially narcissistic characters who lack empathy. Mm -hmm. Her and Noah, I mean, they are not. It's, there's words, you know, there's a yeah. statement of we should look out for her. Yeah. You know, no one in particular. Yeah. He's a smooth talker, but when it actually comes to it, they don't do anything. Well, when it actually comes to it, Meadow says that they should find her a man, and Noah says they should take her out and get her drunk. Yeah. Which are both not good solutions. I mean, they are 20, so that does sound like no, the kind of solution a 20-year-old would have. But you ha- like when you see someone pulling their hair out, you have to realize yeah. that it's worse than that. Yeah. And, like, having these breakdowns. Yeah. It's not like... For, yeah, for me, it's more that, like, it very quickly changes into, like, they just don't want to be around her. Meadow abandons her. Noah... Like when Meadow's going to the library with her pillow. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Noah is just, I mean, you know, getting to the point where he's talking to I, Minogue, You know what, says, like, like, Noah is the worst of all the characters. He is... <laughs> you think he's, he's worse than Tony Soprano? He's worse than Ralphie. That is a strong, strong he, statement. no... I'm sorry. He is I, the worst character. His dad might be a close second. I'm not sure, you mm. know, who's worse than Len or something. What's he's his just name? Len, yeah. Len. He's just, I mean, no, poor Noah. He's just a product of his circumstance. Yeah, no, the first, yeah, well, that's true. Of <laughs> yeah. course, if you have a dad like that who's a total dickhead, of course you're going to be a total <laughs> dickhead yourself. Like, I don't know who Ralphie's dad was, but he was probably a dickhead too. <laughs> I would imagine. The first line that we have Noah say in this episode, he's so lying you, on the bed. So, when, when did you first, <laughs> when notice, did you me. first notice me, right? He's talking about his poli-sci papers. I hate people who are poli-sci paper writers. He... <laughs> He's saying... This is very strong. He's saying, it, no, he, I, I said this... Is it last episode or yeah, the episode But before? now we're getting the full window no, into your No, this hatred. episode, he's just the worst. Like, he's just the most I agree. smarmy person. And he's so... Like, he lacks anything genuine. 
Yeah, he's, I agree. He's just he's a user of people, and we could say that all of these men in this episode are users yeah. of people. But he's the worst because he comes across. He wants to come across as this good guy. He says things like, "We're used to the mean streets." When he comes from some like right whatever rich area of. <laughs> LA or wherever right. he's from he says things about himself like I'm not most guys or they were primo <laughs> notes that was the one I wrote right. that down primo notes like ew dude <laughs> you really suck he's he's an RA I forgot about that like that he's an RA <laughs> and then he's dating this like first year student you know who's like I guess technically not on he his already, floor right right but like well, it's and interesting to have a character like this, and I'm glad that we found somebody that really pushes your buttons like this. No, I think, I really think he bothers me more than any other character in this show. <laughs> There's a lot of murderers on this show, so that's strong. You know what? No. They, <laughs> like, he breaks up with her and says, like... You're too negative, cynical. You're too <laughs> negative. They're seeing too much of each other. And then the line that really gets me is he's like, are you really surprised? Right. It's so narcissistic. <laughs> like... I just, I just really hate him. Well, what else did I write here, down? No there's bomb. more. <laughs> I, there's a lot. They have this awkward sex scene where he's like almost completely obscuring Meadow. He's like, doesn't give, like, she doesn't look like she's having a great time, and he doesn't give a crap. He like right. turns his head away from her and like basically isn't looking at her. Right. Um, and just using her, really. Right. And like once he's not, once he's bored with her and he wants to go to law school. Yeah. So, you know, he has to keep well, up his grades. Here's the thing that I, I think like on original viewings, like I didn't think about as much with the character of Noah Tannenbaum and how he fits into everything. Mm -hmm. Is that, I mean, I. in some ways he's exhibiting some of the same characteristics as Tony mm -hmm. as some of the other main men that we've seen in the show totally. so far and he's very manipulative it's a different kind of person yeah he comes from a different area of society yeah and yet he's still manipulating people he still lacks empathy yeah he's still doing things to benefit himself yeah and there's a lot of commonalities between him and Tony and well, and Meadow sees them as these two vastly different and they aren't. people. And I think that that's... that's I think mean, they are. I can, I'm not going to yeah. say they aren't. But, like, the way that she sees them both is lacking in perspective. Like, and maybe, you know, who knows? Right, you're right. You do think that they are very different. You think that he's way worse than Tony Soprano. Yeah, he is obviously, <laughs> <laughs> obviously way worse than Tony. Um, although we see Tony exhibit more empathy in this episode than we see Noah Tenenbaum exhibit in this yeah, episode. Yeah, again, so, complicating our views of characters. I mean, I love yeah. how they do that. It's It makes yeah. you question everything. And also, <laughs> like, in this episode that I think really is about, like, the masculine and feminine domains, yeah. too, like, I mean, it does not reflect well upon the men in this world. Yeah. Because none of them, none of them actually really interact with women as equals as yeah as people or as people yeah i mean there's always some level of manipulation yeah or some level of just like overt control yeah power and there's yeah. never just like an equal distribution of power or at least or even like recognition of equality and you know the fact that everybody's human yeah there, there is like a weird separation and the men kind of always have the upper hand yeah Often through their own means of manipulating situations to yeah. do so. And Noah Tenenbaum is the kind of guy who when someone... <laughs> I heard what you said. Yes, it was very astute. But I also want to say <laughs> that 
Noah Tenenbaum is the kind of guy who you mention the name of a movie and then he says the director and the year because he's such a pretentious asshole. Uh, freaks. Yeah. Chuck Browning, 1932. Like, what a dick. Nobody wants to hear that. Nobody gives a fuck. I hate him. Hey, everyone. Now you really know Val. Her true personality oh, I, has come I through. I really hate him. Um, and yeah, like, you know, get her drunk. I don't know. I, he sucks. I don't want to talk about him anymore. <laughs> okay, we can move on. I, I want to also mention, just because we only get one little glimpse of AJ, or two little glimpses of AJ, but right. he also says that Gladiator is so fat. <laughs> <laughs> like the pH kind of fat. Well, there's, okay, there's something There's something there. When yeah. when AJ is calling Gladiator fat to Ralphie. Yeah. Um, I love that. There is a connection between AJ and Ralphie that we actually don't see. Like, Ralphie is missing that human connection to a lot of other characters mm-hmm. in this in this world and yet him and AJ get along like very well yeah, they like the because same Ralphie things. <laughs> is an adolescent child man yeah. like he is not an adult in yeah. fact the women are the one who actually have to in the show are the one who actually have to deal with adult situations and consequences yeah. the men just res- <laughs> end up being violent and yeah. yeah and dominating totally you know and i think that it's it's just like it's kind of fucked up that in this world the power structure of the people who are in control are actually these like non grown ups yeah who don't confront any well you see it like in, in that scene where Ralphie comes into the Bing and he's like swinging this chain around right like yeah. he's just acting so childish yeah and crazy yeah but you know even his like obsession with Gladiator versus that other um, Spartacus that they're yeah. showing later on right. Like, he like he needs this like highly stimulating right. Hollywood right. Well, not that Spartacus wasn't Hollywood, but like this like gory, yeah. you know, more whatever. Uh, you know, no, I know, epic I know what you mean. kind of yeah. movie. I can't really put words it's to more it. More sensationalized. But yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, which is very like adolescent like, right? Like the failure to appreciate anything that's kind of more subdued mm-hmm. or complicated. Right. Um, yeah. Anyways, but he and AJ like each other, so that's good. Yeah. Jackie Jr. does not Shows like it. Ralphie. <laughs> <laughs> well. But he's also a shitty guy. Like, it doesn't really mean anything. Like, they're, like, I don't know. It's just, it's like, even, like, they're all just crappy. Like, they're all, for example, in that scene again in the Bing, everyone's, like, shocked by Ralphie's behavior. But they're all doing the same stuff all the time. Like, they're all, like, looking at him like he's crazy. They're always being idiots. He's an exaggerated version of them. Yeah. But they all engage in violence. They all engage in sexism. Well, and like you said, like, when Polly's, like, you know, that crossed the line or whatever. Yeah. like they're just all obsessed with their own macho kind of yeah. existence. And Even this, in the face of this woman dying. Yeah, like a dead person lying there. Yeah. And that's all they can really yeah. grapple with. Yeah. It's really childish. Yeah. Um There was a definitely like kind of like a book ending or like a kind of like a cir- circular kind of like form of this episode too, like from the beginning of the bing to the end. Actually right. even like that boxing on the TV, the bowling yeah. on the TV, like the same shot. Bowling is so manly. So manly. In the end, you know, also like Georgie telling the new girl about the VIP yeah. room, like the replacement yeah. of Tracy. Well, like, and the girls who walk by or the women who are walked by yeah. say that basically. They're like, I know. mean, yeah, they're actually saying like, 
don't talk about that yeah. too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you like better, Gladiator or Aaron Brockovich? <laughs> no, I thought you were going to say Gladiator or Spartacus. No. <laughs> no, but Gladiator or Aaron Brockovich. That's the comparison that's made by Carm's parents or haven't by seen, Carmela's mom. haven't seen both those movies in a very long mm. time. I've seen Gladiator more than Aaron Brockovich. Mm. You? No, I, I've actually not seen Gladiator. Oh, wow. I've tried okay. to. Yeah, okay. I have seen Aaron Brockovich. Yeah. My memories seem to be okay. <laughs> I mean, I was trying to make some kind of comparison because, like, Aaron Brockovich does deal with, like, waste poisoning. Well, it's... Or, a, like, and chemicals yeah. poisoning a town, And right? also, like, like, a powerful woman who, like, yeah. overcomes her circumstance. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Good. We Interesting. Fig- we figured it out. Coming from Carmela's mother, too, who's, like, yeah. out, more outside of this world than almost any of the characters that... Yeah. you know, we see. Yeah. Actually, Carmel, Carm's parents are actually, like, the most detached from yeah. the mob but of, even, of regular. Yeah, but Carmela's father is even, he doesn't want to say that he liked Aaron Brockovich more than Gladiator. Right. Right? right. In front of these other men. Yeah. And she was like, yeah, you did. You told you me liked you it. liked it. <laughs> right? Outing him. Is that how you talk to a man? <laughs> no. How about, well, there was actually, yeah, I think there was, there was a, uh, some interesting I think maybe some there was something with Meadow talking to Len too like the scene where Len is asking about what her father does Mm -hmm. and saying that you know he's an environmental cleanup yeah and then him saying like you know medical supplies yeah and then like sort of you know like her fitting into this world is an interesting thing too Mm -hmm. like because we've seen Meadow in previous episodes like actually kind of stand proud of where she comes from a yeah. few times yeah. you know saying like if people don't get it fuck them yeah you know and actually like understanding some of the principles of her family and the question for meadow i think is like who will she be where will she end up yeah. and what kind is, of is she a noah tenenbaum is she a noah tenenbaum and she's like drawn to somebody who is as much of a jerk he is mm-hmm. <laughs> as we've got this from you mm-hmm. um she is drawn to him and I guess like there is an aspect of like you know being drawn to that world too yeah, well, it's which not, is for and it's not that but it's but at its core it's not that different and I think world. that yeah, yeah this this show is kind of trying to make that point yeah. that there are there are dark sides to all these you know social kind of organizations yeah what's the movie that they go to see Dementia 13 I do not know about Dementia 13 I cannot talk about that <laughs> I was. I wrote it down because I've never heard of it before. Freaks that's has the famous bad. Google Gabble scene at the end. I can talk about that, but that's okay. Chuck Browning, nineteen thirty-two. Chuck Browning, nineteen thirty-two. <laughs> um, well, okay. The one thing about this episode, I think, is that this is another episode like Employee of the Month. When I reflect on this episode, and I think when most people reflect on it, the thing that comes to mind is, is that death. one scene yeah. of Tracy's death, and that really like overpowers this episode, and maybe even the series like it's, yeah. a, it's a pivotal moment yeah. just as employee of the both, month was both scenes yeah and I've, I've actually even talked to some people who think even another toothpick the last episode with Bobby Bacala Sr. is like one of the more like, it's like visceral and, visceral yeah. yeah kind of yeah yeah, tr- yeah just kind of like difficult mm-hmm. scenes so all of these episodes and as we talk about this like we're talking about a lot of the minutiae and the details and the connections but we're also kind of just like glossing over the fact that there's just such an emotional gut punch from this episode. Yeah. And 
at the end of it, like it just, it overwhelms everything. Yeah. So, I mean, all these details, they are serving a point as they always are. Yeah. And there is ideas underneath the surface. But at the end of the day, for me, this episode is, is like about that. Yeah. I and it's, it's very like a, powerful. It's a turning, for me, it's a turning point in this series. Yeah. Like, I agree. like I said, I think I said it in our last episode or maybe the one before, like these three episodes, Employee of the Month, Another Toothpick, and then this kind of standalone, but I really do see it as part of this trilogy with University. Yeah. There's something about those three that the sh something about the show is very different after these three yeah. episodes. Like there's kind of a turn or we understand characters, we see characters more clearly or we, I don't know quite what it is, but it really for me like is a marker of a turn in the series. Yeah. Um, it's also like a deeper window into the depravity of these yeah, people. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's a total, it's a total gut punch. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, that's... But a good one. Not really. I mean, it's a great episode. <laughs> Define good. <laughs> it is a Define power... A it's a powerful episode. It is a powerful episode. And a well-written and a well-produced and a well-filmed... Yeah, definitely. It's a good... conceptualized episode. It's a good gut punch. Yeah. That's <laughs> well, what I said. Exactly what you said. I'm agreeing. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you for listening. We'll be back. We're making our way through season three. Yes, we are a little bit behind on our podcast because we're starting we're, to cut it to the wire. We're yeah. we're getting close to the dates, but we're gonna we're gonna truck truck it truck along. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even think that's even a mixed metaphor. I think that's just a disaster. Yeah, I'm a sentence, but, but it's good. Um, we'll be making our Mondays and Thursdays. Yeah. And we'll be back soon. And then we'll be playing Red Dead Redemption in the meantime. Oh God. <laughs> okay. Bye.